This episode is sponsored by Arana Stay, the digital guest guide of the future. Say goodbye to the hassle of traditional welcome packs and say hello to a seamless and unforgettable digital experience for your guests with Arana's fully branded guest experience app. Boost your revenue with powerful features and focus on what you do best, whilst Arana Stay takes care of the rest. Visit aranastay.com to find out more. Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Accommodation Show. I'm very, very pleased to be joined by Heather Bayer on this episode. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Bart. It's an absolute pleasure to uh, to get my own back. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, because um, I have been on your podcast a couple of times. Um, we had the fortune of meeting each other a Oh, almost six months ago now in Miami at the Book Direct show, uh, struck, up a, struck up a bit of a conversation. And actually, we've got to know each other a bit better through doing these podcasts, huh? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, that, that that's one of the huge benefits, isn't it, of going to these conferences is that you, you meet the people you've been talking to for a while uh, online. And then that relationship tends to blossom after that and, you know, <laughs> continues, which which I love. And, you know, it made it much easier for me to approach you and say, come on the podcast because we'd met in person. So that's a shout out for going to conferences. (laughs) Ah, there you go. That's right. Um, And look, it's so important, right? Because you're you're building, you're growing and that sort of thing. And that's why I actually have you on, on the show today, because as I've got to know you, I've got to know your story and your journey probably better than I would have had I not met you or had we not done these episodes. And your story is, is really fascinating about um, you coming from into the into a new industry and then you're one of the ones that sold out or not sold out, but sold your business um, and, and got out of got out of sort of a, the operational side. And that's what we're going to talk about today is how to start a short term rental business and how you how you have done it and then how you get out of it at the end. It's uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Yes. Yes, me too. I, I learned a lot along the way. So, you know, I'll spill. I'll share what I can. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, awesome. So look, uh, how about you kick us off and just sort of give us a bit of a background as to, to you, um, what you're doing right now, um, and then maybe just sort of how you got into the industry. Which one do you want me to start with first? 25 well, years ago you, or now? <laughs> yeah, how about, how, how about you, what you're doing right now? What I'm doing right now is, is my sort of passion project. Because I've had 25 years in the industry and I have shared everything I've done over the past 25 years as best I can while I've been running a property management company. And now I have the time and the energy to um, go all into what I love to do, which is which is training and education, because that's going right back to my roots. Um, I, I ran a training company 25 years ago. And now, 25 years later, I am back doing training again, but within the, the short-term rental business, which is, couldn't, could not be better. Yeah, and it's such a good, good space to be doing it right now, because one is that I think there's a real lack of knowing who to actually trust in terms of getting your 
education and your information but also on the other side there's just so much interest in it yeah exactly and I, and I talked to I talked to a property manager a couple of weeks ago for the podcast and and he said you know the one thing is is that there's no university for going to get a short-term rental education and I said oh hold on hang on there is there are some really decent people out there um, myself included that are that, that know what they're doing they've been in the business a long time and they're teaching this and and I'm I'm really happy to be part of 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 that group. Um, there's so much out there at the moment. I know you've seen it, Bart. You know, somebody's been in the business for six months and they're going to tell you how to earn a million dollars on Airbnb uh, almost overnight without lifting a finger, and and that bothers the heck out of me. <laughs> yeah, and look, I think that that isn't just a uh, you know a short-term rental thing. I think that that's across many different industries that you've got people that come in and, and make all sorts of. Uh, promises of different dreams and uh, I think the the realities uh, can be quite different once you start to add up all the numbers and you realize how much work it actually is and what skill sets you actually need um, to run a business like this one because the one thing they don't tell you is how many different moving parts there are. <laughs> yeah nobody told me that when I got into property management 25 years ago there was nobody around um, mm. and just you know just a a brief background to that. I was living in England. I was um, I was CEO of a management training company, and we trained mostly in customer service and marketing. And we were doing very nicely. And I had no reason to think I would do anything else. And then I went to Canada on vacation. Uh, we we came out to Canada to go to a wedding, a couple of weddings. And I went and stayed in a cottage on a lake and it was dire, although we had a wonderful time, but it was, <laughs> and there's a long story to that. And I do have an origin story that um, I can share at some other time. But basically at the end of this vacation, I, um, I looked at this rundown little property that we just stayed in for a week. And I figured I could do this and I could do this better. So I went back to England and started buying properties in Ontario, in Canada. And within three years, we'd emigrated. My husband had been in the military for 35 years, so was coming up to retirement. And bless him, he followed, he followed my flag. I've been following his flag for 30 years, and he followed mine. And uh, we started a business in, um, in Ontario. Yeah, wow. So the first step for you was sort of identifying a problem and that, that you would be able to solve it uh and then from there um you do you say that you you bought some some properties in, in canada and then how would how did you uh, make the decision to to buy them um rather than maybe trying to find someone else's properties to manage well i started yeah we started buying our own and i had no intention at the outset of, of getting into managing third party properties. But just like just about everybody I talk to on my podcast, you know, you always start with your own property and then people start coming along and saying, hey, you're doing really well at this. Would you manage mine as well? And that was that that's what happened to to a greater extent. Um, I found a business partner uh, who had been managing a listing site 
for the previous um, six or seven years, and it was the first listing site in Ontario. And he had been listing properties, and then he was fielding a lot of inquiries from the homeowners who were listing on his site, who said, mm. you know, this is great to have this service, but I don't want to do the management myself. I don't want to be dealing with people's problems and issues. So Craig came to me because um, I'd, I'd been um, sourcing out some of his properties to see what they were like. And he came to me and asked if I'd be interested in uh, taking on board the management side. And we went into partnership and that was a partnership that went on for 20 years. Wow. Okay. So this this part is, is quite important. And for those that, that, that are listening, um, we'll circle through different topics and different ideas in terms of starting a business. And then we'll, we'll the, the middle part of all the management and things is, is not going to be for this particular episode, but we do want to, I really want to focus on that getting started so that if you're listening, like, what can you do right now? And, and where are we going to go? Um, and then, and then we'll do this sort of the, the thought thinking about exiting a business and what that looks like. But I really want to focus in on that for a second, that whole idea of, um, finding a business partner and what that partnership means and what it meant for you, uh, because it can make or break your business and it can be quite uncomfortable as well. So it, to set the scene here, you've got a few properties that you've bought yourself. Were you managing any other properties before you got into this partnership? Um, my sister's. <laughs> Okay. My sister had one, so I was managing hers. Yeah. That's often how it starts. You know, you, yeah. you have your yeah. own and then sure. your relatives come along and your neighbours. Yeah. And But yes, I, yeah. um, so I, I met up with my future business partner and we decided we would have a half hour meeting um, mm -hmm. and just explore some ideas. And three and a half hours later, we were still talking. And, and I think that's the very first thing, you know, we hit it off straight away and we were also ex very, very different people. And I think, you know, it, it, this, this does not work. This partnership doesn't work if you find somebody who is exactly like you, mm. because you're going to be missing some of the component parts that are really needed to make a business partnership work. You have to have different styles and mm. bring, um, bring, bring differences to the conversation if you like so he was very technical and um, detail oriented and i've always been the strategy person so i you know everything was from the top down and for craig everything was the bottom up so i'd you know in 20 years of the partnership i would come up one of the things he he hated for me to say was i have an idea <laughs> because he knew what went on from that it was some far-fetched idea that was going to make oodles of money and he would then come in with this is why it's not going to work <laughs> um but that, that that really is if if i was offering any advice to somebody who was going into partnership is beware that uh, that meeting of minds where you both get so excited about it because you're both coming from the same position and if you do that, well, that's all very well and good, but you're going to have to spend time finding people who are going to fill the missing gaps or fill the gaps. Yeah. Um, you know, I, the, I think you've I, got to have a I, detail person. 
Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely critical. You're trying to find a someone like what the question is: Why you bring the business partner in? What is apart from someone to talk to in general? And if you're talking about the same things, then it might not be beneficial, or as beneficial as it could be, is if someone can tackle things from a different angle or fill some of the skill sets that you might not be as good at or as comfortable with. So if you're not great with customer service or dealing with customers, great to have someone that can do that. If someone's good at social media and marketing, if someone's really great operationally or technically, it's great to bring in that skill set um, to be able to sort of complement what you're doing and also push back on you a little bit. So you need that level of trust. Um, but then uh, from your perspective, so you're getting into this partnership and if someone Sometimes people get, it can go both ways. We can say, oh, I've got to do this and I need to find a business partner. Um, or then there's others that are saying, no, I don't need a business partner to their own detriment. So you can go those two different paths. Uh, when we talk about a partnership, how do we make sure that we get onto the same page quickly and that we get to a stage where we understand each other commercially, right? So that you're saying, well, this is how the, this is gonna be structured. This is how we're gonna divide things up and not get too stuck in that process of setting it all up. What are the first steps you kind of, now from now having done it, you'd say to the next person, this is what you need to do to form a partnership. Um, the, the, you, you mentioned the word trust. And, and for me, it comes as a gut feeling. You know, if you, you should know from the outset if if something's going to work for you and this was not my first rodeo when with, with my management training company i was in partnership with a very similar person um because i knew what i was missing that um that i could have the ideas but i needed somebody to help me implement them mm. and and i knew that i could not do this myself um but it had to be the right person that i would also get along with Brilliant. So look, one of the things that's really fascinating to me when trying to figure out getting, having a partner is how it's going to work in a practical sense. So mm -hmm. one of the things we've talked about already is how we identify someone. We've got the trust part of it, but how do we figure it out commercially? Because you might have already part of the business built. They might come in and they've got none of the business built or they've just bringing in their skill set. Uh, then you've got you, you guys are just sharing ideas. How do you figure out how much work each person's meant to be doing on the business? How do we divide it 50-50? Two questions. One is if you were to, in, in, how did you guys set it up? And then the second one would be, how would you recommend someone else to do it if they were to just get started? Yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to be really different for every every person. I mean, when um, when I started with Craig, he still had a full time job. Mm -hmm. um, he was a database manager and he was still working full time. So really, I, I started um, having, I started a business with 100% of, mm -hmm. um, of the workload. And then mm -hmm. it wasn't until about four, four, four years down the line, I think, when he quit his day job and joined me and, and came in as a 50-50 uh, partnership. Mm -hmm. So... He wasn't, you know, it's a long time going back, you know, how we worked out um, the division of of payment. And I honestly can't remember, probably didn't pay myself in the first mm. year or so anyway. Yeah. Um, but once, and, and that, that was a little bit of a difficult time when, you know, I had to give up 50% because we'd started as a, you know, I would take 100% and really do the property management side. 
well, he mm-hmm. continued with his um, with his uh, listing site, and really, I was um, I was managing the company, and all I was using of of, of his, and what he was giving to me was his um, his list, and yeah. you know everything that he'd worked towards with his listing. So he was he was sending me the clients. And, yeah. and then I was managing them. But quite honestly, Bart, you know, it, it, it's an interesting question because I can't honestly remember how we did yeah. it. Yeah, but one of the one of the critical pieces here from what, what I've heard you say is that 50, at the, from the outset, you guys have decided to 50-50 the business mm-hmm. in terms of the ownership. So you probably would have set up a, some sort of a business, PTYLTD or I think a partnership agreement and, and off we go. Yes, yes, we had a partnership agreement, and um, I think that came probably about two or three years in. Um, so it was very loose at the outset, and I think before that, um, yeah, he didn't have have much input into the business, and and he didn't take much of the output either. Uh, but once we had the partnership agreement in place, and and I, you know, it, it started out as a boilerplate partnership agreement. But we had to work in things, things like what happens if something happened to me? Mm-hmm. Um, what would happen with the business? What would happen if something mm-hmm. happened to him? You know, I couldn't say, okay, you know, Craig got run over by a bus, therefore the business is now mine. Because, of course, it's a 50-50 agreement. Yeah. So we had, you know, there was a lot And all of a to... sudden you're working with his kids, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so there was a lot to work out um, with that. And we went through mm. a... You know, a lot of scenarios, what if scenarios. Um, yeah. And, you know, really comes, you know, coming to the end of the business, we're so glad that we did have that in place at the outset. And there's a, right. there's a few things, a few other things that we had in place that made it very helpful when we got to the end. You know, we, we always had an exit strategy in mind from the very, very yeah. beginning. And I think that is... Let's... I, let's, let's... Let's talk about that. Yeah. yeah. So, so the, the exit strategy uh, is something that whenever I, I start a new consultation with a new client, someone that's in short-term rentals, they might be at five properties, one property, a hundred properties. The first thing mm-hmm. I ask is, where are we going with this? What is the exit strategy? Are you looking for, uh, for this to be a lifestyle business that you're going to run until until you retire? Are you looking to sell it in five years? Are you What kind of lifestyle do you want behind it? So from what you're saying, there was an exit already at the very start without even really knowing where the, what the business is going to look mm-hmm. like. Uh, uh, tell me about that. Well, I think we, we discussed it annually, every year, when we get together, usually at the end, at the end, of, um, at, at the end of the season. When we'd, we'd mm-hmm. get together, we'd talk about how the season went, where one... Um, so, so looking back and looking forward to the to the next year, um, setting our goals, but we also then updated the exit strategy. You know, let let's talk mm-hmm. about when we're going to bail out of this. Is it likely mm-hmm. to be next year? Is it going to be five years? Is it going to be ten years? What are our thoughts? So we we had these very informal discussions each year yeah. in a. So like informal, formal, if you like, because we did it every year and we included it in that discussion. And, and it, 
it, it was pretty informal until we got to the last couple of years. And I think we probably talked about selling for maybe five years before we actually did. But because we'd... And I think, yeah, I just want to come on to that because five years before we actually sold, we got into one of these discussions and said, okay, if we sold next year, do we have everything in place to make this mm. a successful sale? And we realized that we did not because we could not be replaced. Mm. So that's that five years before we sold, we hired a person who would become our general manager who would know everything about the business. So when we sold the business, we weren't going to be, you know, because we were then out of it, um, that wasn't going to have a huge impact on the sale price because it could, it would have been if we didn't have a general manager. But we made that decision five years before we sold. Our general manager was in place. Um, she knew everything about the business. We would be able to then walk away. She would be able to continue and and a new the buyer could come in and not actually have to do anything themselves yeah. because the staff were all in place to take the business forward without us and i think that that was so critical that we decided that in enough years prior to the sale yeah and i've done a few podcasts already uh, about selling a business and every single time i've talked to someone that knows this space they say start preparing now mm -hmm. and it can be as simple as getting all of your numbers written down and doing them properly having a good uh, pnl so that you understand what's actually going on in your business and looking at the different elements that a potential buyer will be looking at when they when they come to you and they say so hey we want to buy your business what, what is the business? And that's, I think, where a lot of people say, well, I know what it is in my head. I know what it is in my brain. But actually, if you start to put it down onto paper and you start going, well, what do, what do all the management agreements look like with all of my different clients? Have I got one agreement or have I got 20 different mm -hmm. ones for different clients and they're all worth different numbers, uh, numbers? What is the lifetime value of a customer? All of these questions we start to sort of put in. And you don't have to have, like, when you're just starting, you don't have to have all of this stuff written down and sorted but as long as you know what it is you'll know you'll know when you come to exit what people will be looking for because you want to get paid right you, you don't want to build a business just to get paid today you want to get paid out at the end for all those hours of extra work that you've done um and also because you've probably got something which is worth something to, worth something to a potential buyer in the future uh, uh, just just getting all the ducks in a row way before even considering a sale is is the key and and I'm, you know we, we went through four months of due diligence and you know going through absolutely every aspect of our business and we had everything to hand three year, three years of three or four years of general accounts of course we had that but you know owners going back three or four years why did X why did this owner um, leave quit why did they leave yeah. um yeah. why were why was this year better than that year um and we had all the answers and it wasn't really until we went through that due diligence that we realized that you know it was because we had been diligent in the, the key performance indicators and making sure that every year we looked at our performance 
we measured everything and we documented everything. And, yeah. and I hadn't realised how valuable that was until it got to the end. Uh, on that, as you're... Uh, because obviously you said that your business partner is more the diligent kind of side of the business regardless and would have been probably looking after a lot of these things and making sure that that you're all on track how valuable is it to to be on top of all of this even if you weren't to sell the business i i would say that from the moment you start your business you keep all those records it's it's a business plan that is updated every single year because you know at any point in time then you can look at your performance and say you know what happened that year because compared to two years ago there's there was a big difference mm. you know what was our churn like why was our churn a higher percentage in this year than it was in another year but if you don't keep those records year on year then uh, you just don't have anything to make comparisons with um so regardless of you know may, maybe you've got family and you're just going to hand everything on to your family it doesn't matter you still need to keep that business plan going um because you can look back at any time and and it will give that really valuable information and it helps you to project forward as well yeah well, look, I'm I'm so cognizant of our, our time. We're 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 smashing through time, and I've just got so many questions <laughs> for you. Um, and I, so this this part of really understanding your business to be able to create value, of thinking about the exit con consistently through your business is key. So, um, of course, you guys within your minds, you had decided that exit is going to be necessary at some point soon so you start to tidy things up and make sure that you've got all the data points that you need and make sure and kind of understand whether the business would be attractive to someone what uh, what's the next step for someone in terms of all right we we know that we want to sell we've started to tidy things up um what in your circumstance what was the next step in terms of approaching potential buyers or, or I mean, yeah you tell me what what happened next yeah it's um we struggled with that because if we'd been in the US, um, there's there's a number of specific short-term rental valuers and we would have jumped at going to somebody like Ben Edwards or Jacoby Olin um, and, and, a couple, yeah, and a couple <laughs> of the a couple of the other um, vacation rental company brokers that there are there out there and I did talk to Jacoby um, and I talked to Ben as well before we sold and, you know, to ask about valuation. And of course we're in a different country though. And it was, it, it, it was it, it, different. Yeah. So not, not we went, yeah, we went to, uh, we found a small business broker because we had to find somebody who was going to go out and find us the buyer. So we went to a small business broker. Um, we had the company valued and uh, then they also had um, a sales uh, division and within two weeks of them posting the business for sale um, we had fifth we were we'd sent out the 50th NDA Wow um, Wow but I did um, I created the business brochure 
because the the people that we were using did not know the business so i had to, yeah. we had to we had to educate them on what the business was about and i did mm -hmm. that through our business brochure which really came out of the business plan that we did from year on year you know we had yeah. all the figures that we could put into the business brochure and that's just another benefit of keeping that business plan going so so yes they put it out in the open market um we had as i say 50 uh, 50 interested parties and we then then we went through interview process which was then that was a huge surprise for me i had no idea that you know once you sent out an nda and we sent out the um some additional information that then people wanted to talk to us and <laughs> we were in a position then of choosing who was going to buy our company and we would and we went through three to four hour interviews with these prospective buyers wow. and so, was, yeah so, this, this time then it was this time last year and i remember doing it <laughs> yeah so so uh, th that's really interesting you would have thought that you know when you sell a house you don't interview people you just whoever's going to pay the most amount of money that's that's who we go for right um why are we interviewing people to sell our business like of course there's you don't you want to you know your own ego maybe or i i want this to to go on or you care about the people that you work with as well that's completely understood but apart from that is there any other things that you're looking out for when you're interviewing people well we 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 had some criteria we we had the, a remote working business it had been remote we'd been remote working for 10 years before covid and we had an amazing team we had people that have been with us for for years and years and we wanted those people to remain we did not want somebody coming in and stripping out the team and doing something entirely different you know we had a, a lot of loyalty they had given us loyalty over the years and we des we felt they really deserved mm -hmm. that loyalty back so yeah. we wanted somebody who would come in and take on the entire team and and not really change anything because we also felt a huge amount of loyalty to our owners and we had over 160 owners at that time mm. so we had to we we wanted the right people that would come into the company and take it forward um obviously bringing in new ideas but al along that journey not losing anybody either staff or owners and and I have to say that we are coming up on 10 months now, nine or 10 months since the company changed hands and we have not lo lost, a, they have not lost a single member of staff nor any owners. Yeah. So it seems to work. Amazing. We, we found the right people. And I think, I mean, that's, that's a testament to building a great business regardless. You, you, you look after your people, you look after your owners and that's kind of your lifeblood and that's something that's going to keep them going regardless, you know, post sale, um, or into that sales process. And that's what helps you to get to there. So it's a philosophical thing, which I completely understand and agree with. And so, uh, the, these 50 people that, that, that 
applied, so to speak. Now, I would imagine that with your level of experience in the industry, you would probably know a lot of potential leads and prospects for this company to say, hey, we think that these are the potential buyers. You know, you're even putting it up on 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 social saying we're looking to sell or, or that sort of thing. So those two things, the, the 50 people, where do they come from? And were you part of that sales process trying to find more prospects? Well, once once we had um, once we realised that there was a there was a big demand for the company, we were then able to really whittle that list down. Um, and there there were people that we knew were going to lowball from the very outset. Um, they weren't interested in the uh, in the price that we were asking. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went, so so they went out to start with, and then. Uh, and then it really came down to about half a dozen that showed real promise. Mm. Um, there were a couple from the US. There was a couple of very well-known companies from the mm-hmm. US that uh, that you, you would I won't mention them, but you would yeah. certainly recognise them. Yeah. And and then it came down to two or three from uh, from Canada, um, but there was just there was. One interview that we had, um, Craig and I sat with these three guys and we talked and talked and talked and they were so enthusiastic and um, so motivated. Yeah. And the thing was, is that they had no experience in the short-term rental business at all. Uh, okay. Um, and that was, oh my gosh, you know, how, how are they going to do this? But in, in fact, it, it worked out. You know, we, we decided, we came off that call and we said, These are, this is it. These are the people that we want to sell our company to. Yeah. So, and what, what proportion of, of these um, uh, potential buyers, what proportion were, I'd say, already professionals and what proportion were, I guess, from other spaces, um, what, what are the kind of, the, the, what did it slosh around to be uh, in terms of that pack of the 40? Um, probably only about um, 10%, I would say, mm-hmm. had had um, experience in the business at all. Mm-hmm. And we had a couple of our guests, our previous guests, who thought this was such a great idea. Um, mm-hmm. A couple of our owners who thought that, you know, that they would like to get in on this. And I, and I honestly thought that at the outset that we would be selling to one of our uh, owners. Yeah. Um, but in fact, but in fact, it, it didn't work out that way. But yes, it was a, only a very small amount had had experience in the business and came with, and I, and I think to a degree that was a huge benefit that they didn't come with any preconceived ideas. We were able to explain the business. Both Craig and I stayed within the business. I mean, Craig is still in it. Craig mm-hmm. is still working for them 10 months later. Um, I probably lasted about, we were meant to be there for a year. Um, I lasted about four months when I said, you guys don't need me anymore. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So this is incredible. Such a, such a, such a great journey. And, I'm, uh, I've learned so much and I'm so surprised. The reason why I asked before I asked about, you know, 
did you provide leads? Were they industry type folk? You know, saying no. The, the last, the, the last thing I'm going to ask is around that value proposition that you're going to provide to potential buyers, because we talked about uh, a certain proportion being from the industry, so they might already understand what it is that they're potentially mm-hmm. buying, then um, just look at the numbers and then maybe even know you already and be like, okay, I know what this, what would I be prepared to pay for the business? But then obviously there's such an appeal to your business to uh, to 90% of people that aren't industry folk. What do you think it was that appealed to them um, with your business? Um, oh, that, that's that's a difficult one. I mean, we 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 sold to um, to an investment company, mm-hmm. um, three uh, three entrepreneurs in their late twenties, um, mm. who had a lot of experience in taking on um, small companies and growing them. Mm-hmm. Um, they. They must, they, they saw some, I mean, they did a huge amount of research. And I think that's what came across when we actually, when we, we decided that we were going, that this is the company that was going to buy ours, that they had, they had done just a massive amount of research into the industry. Mm-hmm. So they'd researched the industry in, um, in the US and in Canada. I was talking to people, you know, while we were going through this process, I was talking to people, you know, well-known people in the industry, Andrew McConnell from rented.com. Um, and they'd got in touch with him. They'd been through all my podcasts and they were getting in touch with the people that I'd spoken to and not, not to ask about my business, but to ask about the business in general. And they, they were, they wanted to learn about it and they were getting excited about it Mm -hmm. and to give them their due, they're still excited about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I guess from what from what you're saying is that there's no one key area that you're saying this is what you have to do to sell. You're just saying have your numbers um, sorted, have all your, your things sorted, and then you go out to market, and then it's only at that point you're really going to know what it is going to, because it's going to appeal to different people and different institutions in different ways. Yeah, exactly. I I don't think there is a a formula for, Mm. you know, for finding the right buyer. I mean, you might say, okay, well, I'm I'm happy to sell to Vacasa, or Casago is going to come along and and suck us up as well. I mean, we, we'd made a decision that we didn't want to go that route anyway. We didn't want to uh, s- sell to any form of consolidator or become part of a big, big company. Um, we just wanted to find somebody that would take it on like Craig and I had, and it would be their baby. Yeah. And, and that, that's, what, that's what has happened. And, and I, you know, I have to say it's uh, exe- way exceeded my expectations mm-hmm. as to how it would how it would be and i think it's because the buyers came in with they they didn't have preconceived notions of what this was all about they didn't come in and say okay this is airbnb we don't have to do anything and it's all passive income they were they were ready to roll up their sleeves and and bring an an injection of new energy and oh just yeah it's a very it's very different now 
but it's yeah. it's the same if you see what i mean it yeah. they they haven't really they in certain areas they've changed nothing and in other areas i am seeing this this great um curve upwards as as they grow they've done a lot of growth in the in this last year and yeah. uh they've been tremendous at it yeah and look i i know that for for businesses when you buy them you've got to find ways to add value to it and if you're not going to add any value then probably don't bother because you know, you're not gonna, you're not, not going to do too well with it. But Heather, we are out of time. Um, unbelievable information, unbelievable story. I couldn't think of a better person to um, have had the success that you've had. Um, you're sharing, you're giving, you want to help people, and it's completely understandable as to why you've managed to get yourself out of that particular part. Now you're imparting your skills and helping others. Um, and I'm sure that even the project of education and training for you, yes, there will be a money side of it, but actually if you can help strengthen other people uh, along the way, especially with all of the skill sets that you've built up, I imagine that that's the journey. So if people want to join you on that journey, what would they do? Um, they, can, they can get in touch with me directly. And you've got my email address to add to your show notes. Uh, Heather at vacationrentalformula.com. So, so what we're doing is we've we've created the Vacation Rental Formula Business School, and we are I, I'm creating courses. Um, I I work closely with my co-founder, who's my son Mike, who has also been in the training business for a lot of years. But he's he he comes from the safety side. Um, he's a firefighter. So he and Justin Ford are actually working, you know, they, they've worked together to, to create some material. Um, and then we're bringing in some, some of the best training in the industry. Um, so we're selecting people that have, um, have a really good track record in offering training and education who have been in the business a while, haven't just jumped into it. Um, know what they're talking about and are bringing their experience. So we're going to be curating the best education that's out there and putting it all together in one place. And that will be the Vacation Rental Formula Business School. New website is going to be launched in early May. And, and we're super excited about that. We have a beta program going on at the moment. Um, we're just to have 30 students on that and we're up to just the early 20s now. Um, so that's still open. Um, so go to go to vacationrentalformula.com and you can go to the business school and find out a little bit more about that. We'd love to see more people on there. Beautiful. And look, uh, I'm very excited about that. I'm excited to uh, get involved. I want to have a look at these programs and it's continuous education, which makes us stronger and that sense of community, which I'm sure will be built through there as well. Mm -hmm. Heather, you are amazing. I'm so glad that we did this. Um, and, um, I've already got 10 other ideas for episodes that we could do in the future. If I can get your time later on, I will try my best, but once again, thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. Absolute pleasure, Bart. Thank you for having me. Awesome. And uh, if you have been listening or watching, don't forget to like and subscribe. But I would like to get your feedback. I would like to let, get your comments and let us know if this episode provided any value to you at all. Take care. Have a good day, everyone.